And so today what we're going to do is I, there was a, I went to a pastor's thing with the vineyard and we all had the, it was a new group of people. We we're in a cohort that I'm still in. And um, the way that we got to know each other is everyone had the chance to be able to share their testimony. You just share how they met Christ. And it was one of the most powerful things that I was a part of, just being able to hear people's story, their testimony, how Christ intersected with their life at some point in time. And so what we do at this church is on the uh, the fifth Sunday of the month, we just have people from our community come up and, and share testimonies. So that's what we're going to do today. So Connie and Lisa have volunteered to, you guys can come up here to share their testimonies. Um, I have known, I've known these guys for a long time. We, 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 go, we go way back. Um, yeah, so they're just going to share their... You guys are going to go all the way back? Okay, so I would, but I would like to say, if you knew these guys, this is like a, this is a huge step. This is huge. Okay, um, but they both decided if they could be together, they could do it. Okay. Um, all right. So, who's gonna start? Me. Okay. So I'll. You want me just to? And then you can move away. Hello. Does that work? Okay. Don't don't just let them do their thing. Hello. Okay, first I want to thank my best friend Lisa for letting me go first, because I think I would have made it through if I had a good second. She's amazing. Um, let's see. So uh, when I was going to give my uh, testimony, I've given it before, but there's so many new people that I've never even met coming to church now. Um, I just had like a, like a testimony on a testimony I just want to give about the last couple of years of my life, what God's done. But since it has to be 20 minutes, and it would make more sense if I just gave a condensed version of my testimony. I'm going to do that. Oh, Erica's taking my picture. <laughs> um, I looked up into the definition of the word testimony, evidence or proof of the existence or appearance of something. And let me tell you, I am the definition and proof of Jesus Christ because, well, you'll find out. <sighs> okay, got through that page. <laughs> um, so me and Lisa are introverts. And if you look up in the dictionary, you'll see our pictures there <laughs> under that definition. No, that was a joke. Okay, so who I am. So my name is Connie K. Hyatt, and I, um, I've been coming to the vineyard for almost 20 years. And um, um, who else am I? Oh, I'm, <laughs> I, next year I am going to be, this is going to be hard to say, 60. Crazy, right? Yes. Um, I am, for you new people who never have seen me with my husband, married. Um, my 
husband and I, mostly my husband, uh, used to be um, on the board of the vineyard, on staff of the vineyard, but unfortunately my husband had a traumatic accident and he's going through his own walk with God right now, so he's not with us here. Um, I have, oh yeah, here in church, he's here on the earth, sorry. <laughs> Just not here in church. Thank you, Lisa. Um, I have five kids, and I have 11 grandkids. From My oldest grandson is 19, and I have two one-year-old twins that just turned one. Well, I already said one. Um, okay. So I was saved in a Christian cult here in Reading that went out of business. Um, I appreciate my Christian cult that I was saved in because it was what I needed at the time. I needed something um, like super duper. Anyways. Um, okay, so I went that far. Okay, so here is going to be oh, the, the condensed version of my life before Christ. Okay, my childhood. I was um, raised in a alcoholic, codependent family. Me, my older brother, and my mom and dad. Um, I had a really hard childhood. I was super shy, way shyer than I am now. Um, I, my mom always worked and my dad would go from job to job. So I don't, I never really felt like my mom was my mom. I, I don't think I really bonded with my mom. Believe it or not, I bonded with my dad. And um, in my childhood, um, we moved 32 times before I finally left my house at 16. So that made things even harder. I didn't really go to school because no one was there to make sure I did and I didn't want to. So I really don't have... Uh, a normal education, only the education I gave myself, I guess. Um, so um, when I was um, 11, um, my mom and dad separated for a while, and I thought that that was going to be good. I went with my mom. Um, my mom... Um, took us to um, my grandparents, they lived here, and they had like a lot of property. So they had a house, and then they had uh, like a few mobile homes on their property. And um, um, there was, well, one of the mobile homes was really uh, an airstream. So my mom and I, um, <clears throat> um, my brother actually went with my dad, because he was a teenager. So he wasn't there. Um, my mom and I uh, moved into the Aerostream, and then um, my mom had to work at night, so she 
decided it would be best if I went to live with my aunt, who was not a very nice person. And um, in that summer that I lived with my aunt, um, I was sexually molested, and that was the end of my, even broken childhood was over then. So my mom and dad ended up getting back together, and um, um, so we were back to moving and the whole dysfunctional thing. But then I started into my teenage years, and I was super broken. And I moved around all the time, like I said. And so I started doing, I just started looking for love in all the wrong places. I would have sex with anybody who I thought would love me. I would do drugs. I would steal, lie. I was just a terrible mess. And uh, when I was 16, I met a guy that, um, was on vacation, and uh, he was quite a bit older than I was, and he looked like John Travolta. And uh, John Travolta, the Sinai Fever was the, and Greece were like the thing of the day. And so I ran away with him to New York, because that's where he was from, Brooklyn. So that was even cooler, because he had that Brooklyn accent and that strut with those white pants on. Anyways, I didn't know anything about him. I was like, oh, I'm going to run away with John Travolta. Um, anyways, so I uh, ended up getting pregnant at 17. And um, believe it or not, homesick. Believe it or not. So I wanted to come back. And my mom said we couldn't come back unless we were married. So I was like, Okay. <laughs> so we came here and uh, back, and I got married at 17 and had my first daughter um, a few days after I turned 18. And as you can imagine, life before Christ, I uh, the whole thing was a mess. Too, my we still moved, me and my husband still moved around with my parents for some crazy reason. Um, I still don't get that to this day. Um, anyways, my marriage actually, believe it or not, lasted 12 years. But it wasn't a marriage built on anything other than trying to get away from the very thing I came back to. Um, so when that marriage ended, I still didn't know Christ yet. And I had my two older kids... And I went back to my same thing, looking for love in all the wrong places. And I ended up pregnant again with my baby son, Jordan. He was here last week or the week before. He's amazing. He's not a baby anymore. <sighs> but he's my baby. Anyway, so got pregnant, had three kids had mental issues, couldn't leave my house. <sighs> it was awful. And then one day, my daughter's friend, believe it or not, who's now probably about 17, uh, said to me, you know, maybe, maybe you should come to our church. And I was like, why would I do that? 
And she's like, well, it, it's helping me. And I was like, wow, I really need help. So I did. And I went to, uh, it was called Successful Christian Living here in Reading, and um, it was radical. And I got radically saved, and I had, to, I had to, like, pretty much be in therapy in front of the whole church all the time. Everybody had to always tell their garbage in front of everyone, and you were mandatory to be at all the meetings and if you didn't show up they'd call you up tell you to get in the shower and come but you know what you guys I needed that I needed something super crazy and strong and anyways my life like just literally started to change like the scales fell out of my eyes and I could see a different me a different world a different hope um Anyways, I met my husband there, and um, he came from kind of a crazy background, too. And um, then our church went sideways, fell apart, and we didn't know what we were going to do, so we put our kids in the car and went church shopping, I guess you'd say. So we pulled up to this one church kind of between here and Anderson, and everybody was like in suits and high heels and long dresses, so we just did kind of like a drive-by. <laughs> We're like, eh, that's not for us. Eh, no, 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 no. And uh, then we went to Target afterwards for some reason, and um, saw my cousin there, and my cousin happens to be uh, Pastor Kyle's wife, who was the pastor of our church before Pastor Sean. And um, he wasn't the pastor of our church at the time. Pastor Mike was. But she was like, what are you guys doing? And um, we're like, well, we're church shopping. <laughs> She's like, you guys should come to our church. And we're like, cool. So the next Sunday we went to their church, and that was almost 20 years ago. And But really what I wanted to share today, was that a long time? I mean, but was it enough time? Okay, good. Whew. Uh, was the testimony about the healing that God gave me with my mom. Okay. So a few years ago, well, um, let me just go back just a tiny bit. So some of the things about my mom, I think I did tell you that I never really felt bonded to her. I never, I actually always blame my mom about everything when that was dumb. I don't know, for some crazy reason, I was stood up for my dad, who was just awful. Um, and then um, I was mad at my mom because, well, of all that stuff, I was mad at my mom because she sent me to my aunt's that time. And that, as bad as things were, that made things way worse. And then, believe it or not, after all that happened, my mom let my aunt and her people live at her house. And that pretty much was just shattering of my heart to me that she knew what happened in there and she would take her in like that and not have my back. And then when I told you guys that I got pregnant with my baby son, I ended up homeless and I asked her, if I could come live with her, and she told me no. And, but yet she'd let my aunt live there. And 
at that time, I just kind of said that's what I'm done with my mom. Um, I don't want to have anything to do with her. I was very prideful and hurt. and So I really hadn't had a whole lot to do with my mom since that. Um, I mean, we would, like, talk on Christmas. I mean, whatever. But, uh, oh, I don't know, probably three years ago, my mom... Uh, said she was diagnosed with dementia and she was going to need some help. And my brother passed away probably six years ago, maybe now. And my dad passed away probably 10 years ago. And so guess who's left for my mom? This girl. Um, I was so mad. I can't believe it. I knew that she would ask me that. And I just, one of the thoughts that went through my head were, why in the world would I take care of her when she didn't take care of me? I'm not going to do it. But then, as soon as I had all those terrible thoughts, then I thought about Jesus. And that's not what he would want from me or her. And so I knew I had to do something. So I kind of just ignored it for a while, and then she called me back and said that it, you know, that it was getting worse, and <clears throat> you know that we had to make some kind of plans or something. And so then all those same feelings came up, and um, I came to church the next Sunday, and I came up for prayer, and told him that I needed prayer for forgiveness for my mom and to change my heart about my mom. And uh, she's not in here today. But after prayer, I was kind of crying over there with Lisa and my friends, and Naomi Yates came up to me and prayed for me again. And I I said something like, I, I, just, I just can't do it. I don't know how I'm going to do it. And she said, you're not. She said, Jesus can do it through you. And then I, it, it was true because I couldn't do it. I didn't have it in me. So anyways, time went on, and um, my mom just kept getting worse. And so we, uh, we went down. We went down there. She lived in Arizona. In the middle of nowhere of Arizona, no less, where you can't even get there by airplane. You had to fly into Phoenix and then drive three and a half hours. So me and my husband went down there to see, you know, what what was next steps. And um, we were considering trying to bring her up here and get her in a home, but we'd found out there's no way that we could do that because all her stuff was in Arizona and she had no money unless we were going to pay. $12,000 a month, we couldn't do that. So then we thought, well, we'll have to take her into our house until she lives here long enough. But that's really was going to be hard, but we were kind of prepared to do it. So we went down there, and we met with her doctor, and uh, her doctor told us that uh, that we couldn't, we couldn't move her because it would be the end. Like, she needed this, 
the structure that she had because if she came to our house, she would not be able to function. She would just lose it. So I was relieved though, but sad at the same time to see her finally and see, you know, her mind going. But she still had a clean house. She was, she still knew who we were and everything. Um, so uh, we came back and um, figured out we hired a, an aide to come and help her out a little bit. And so that was good for the time being. And, but I still really didn't like have a totally healed heart towards her, even though I was trying to kind of help. And then she, uh, she got really sick and, and they, the neighbors found her on the floor and she was rushed to the hospital. And she was really bad, sick. I don't even remember. I think she had pneumonia and she had passed out and hit her head. And then she got COVID in, in the rehab. And um, I just remember feeling such regret because I didn't do what I said, told God I would do. I didn't find the healing I said I would find. And I just bawled because I didn't think I was gonna get another opportunity. I thought that was it and she was gonna pass away and there was never gonna be any healing between us but it wasn't true and she got out of there and got healed and one night I had a fight with my husband and I was mad and everything and I went to bed and I woke up and I was crying and I was praying and then I heard an audible voice say to me Connie you have to find compassion for your mom and your husband <laughs> in a slighter voice and uh <laughs> But the mom one really stuck out. And from that moment, like, God healed my heart. I had the most compassion for my mom, like, real compassion, like I have for my baby son or my dog or my grandkids. I love my dog. Um, and I just, like, things changed. I called her every day. I take my dog for a walk every morning. Every morning I would call her. When she was getting so bad, she wouldn't answer the phone. I had her caretaker call me. And then I will call her back on that time. I talked to her every day, which was hard, but I loved her and I had such compassion for her. And I prayed for her and I checked on her and I got her, um, hired someone to give her her medicine. I talked to her doctors. I did feel genuine love for my mom. And then it was getting really bad. Like her dementia was getting super bad. The caretaker said, I think it's getting close to make a different step. And by the way, my mom, did not want to go into a home. So we knew that to be true. So we made a plan to go down there again and see what we were gonna to have to do. And um, my husband wanted to fly down and spend the night in Phoenix and then take off the next morning to go down there because our flight was rather late in the afternoon to get into Phoenix, but something told me not to. And we drove straight there and um, <clears throat> so we did it, so we had an Airbnb there. So then I got up early in the morning, went over and got my mom, took her to her. She loved this place called Mount Graham. It was a big, beautiful mountain. Took her up there. Believe it or not, there was fall colors in Arizona. Can you up on that mountain? Because most of it's desert. I just felt like that was so pretty. And a little waterfall. And we took her up for the ride. But she was so tiny and frail and little. It was really sad. And um, took her to an apple orchard, tried, got her out of the car, but she could barely walk. It was super sad. And 
Um, took her to lunch, but she wouldn't eat. And so we got back home uh, to her house, and she just was having trouble speaking. Like, her voice was so little. So I was said, I don't feel right. Let's take her to the emergency room. So we did. There was a big accident that was happening, so it took forever to get seen and everything. But we spent, like, six hours in that emergency room talking about when she was growing up, laughing about boys she had a crush on. I don't know if I had even ever really talked much to my mom about her life. It was the most beautiful day with my mom, and they would come in and give her a test, and it was hard and scary, so I would just, like, rub her head and kiss her forehead so she wouldn't think about it. Um, anyways, not too long after that, she just closed her eyes and passed away. I got to be there and love her, and she knew I loved her. And I got to see her pass away peacefully. She just looked up to the sky and quit breathing. And I just felt so much thankfulness to God that he did change my heart, and I didn't have to live now with the regret of not doing that, of not having compassion for my mom and love for my mom. And all the thoughts I had about, well, think how hard it was for her to try to raise me and be the one that had to make all the money and put up with my dad. So I actually, like, took a walk in her shoes and realized she wasn't a bad person. She was just doing the best she could. Anyways, um, so that is my testimony and my recent testimony. Now I'm going to hand it over to Lisa. Hopefully I took up all your time, Lisa. No. I'm loving it. She left little time for me. So, <clears throat> But um, this is, I really wanted to talk about uh, my testimony in this church. It's, um, Connie and I have a lot of similar stuff going on. Um, uh, but this church, I was probably 18 when I met Pastor Sean for the first time. Well, he wasn't pastor then. Um, he was having a humongous party at his mom, Nancy's house. It was the biggest college party I'd ever been to. Probably the only party. But I knew Sean. Um, I knew his mom. I had moved down from Reading, or from Bernie to Reading. Um, and I had gotten a job at Office Depot, so that's where I met Nancy McMasters. Um, around that time, I was 18, and I ended up um, not having a place to live. No, that was later on. Um, 18 was when I was working with her. I met Sean for the first time. Um, when I was 24, um, 24, I ended up in Nancy's house again. I was pregnant with my daughter, Morgan. Um, so we lived there, and Sean had just started going to church, I think, for a little while. But he would invite me to church all the time, probably 20 different times he invited me to church. And I had never grown up in church. I, like Connie, too, had a pretty um, traumatic childhood, although I had loving aunt and uncle and grandparents. And uh, my mom, too, did the best she could. Um, but um, I did have good memories of childhood, too, with family. I went to church a handful of times um, up at the Pentecostal uh, church up in Bernie. I, I went up there, and they just knew how to celebrate there. And I was always just so quiet and 
not wanting to talk or cause attention to myself. I'm still that way now. Um, but I loved going to that church, and I always um, just prayed that God would fill me up too. And really, I never really felt God going to church those handful of times, but I always knew. Um, I never had a moment to where I, oh, now I'm saved and believe in God. I just always uh, believed in God and knew he was with me, even though I didn't really feel him um, or hear him or see him too much during those times. Um, but that all changed when I started coming to this church. Finally, I said yes to Sean. I was a single mom working five days a week, so Sundays was kind of my day to shop and relax and plan for the week, so I wasn't um, wanting to change up my routine, but I did come to church here. Um, I got involved right away. I found like the best thing for me, because I am so quiet and shy, was to just volunteer, was to help, to serve in any way um, that I could, which at that time it was with the bookkeeping, uh, which I absolutely loved doing. So I started out helping the bookkeeper here. Um, she was training me how to, to do the job. And then one day she up and left, and so I was just had been the bookkeeper ever since then. I didn't know it all then, but I pretty much taught myself. Um, I kind of mirrored what she had did with her past bookkeeping stuff. Um, there was an accountant up at Bethel that I could call any time with questions, so he was so very helpful. Um, but that's what really got me plugged into the church was serving, helping. Now I had to be here every Sunday because I was dealing with the monies. Um, so that just helped me get here at life groups. Um, I just encourage everyone to go to life groups. Um, it was hard for me to make the commitment to go to life groups in early on too because of my time. Uh, but I would give people who couldn't go a ride that way. I knew I'd be showing up too. And then that's where Connie and I, we probably went to church for a long time and didn't know each other until, until the life groups. But that's really where we just, uh, just learned how to do life and church together and raise our kids together and follow God together. So many times throughout the years, we've had to confess to each other. Oh, Pastor Sean was talking earlier this month about um, the spiritual disciplines and confessing. And oh, when I hear him talking about that, it's not something that's fun or I want to do, but I know that it is um, good for us to do that. So we have done that many times throughout the year, the years. Um, so the small groups, um, my daughter grew up in church. She came to church every Sunday with me. Um, she got to pretty much see the world. I would have never been able to give her any opportunities, I don't think, to do that. But we went on missions trips, Mexico. She went to New York. Connie went to China. I didn't, didn't do that, but um, the Mexico trips I was um, able to go on. So we just learned so much um, getting plugged in that way. Um, I always laugh because it was just so hard for me to go to any of those things. Um, they would have, uh, you know, book clubs going over books of the Bible. Um, we'd all sit down and read something and then, okay, what do you feel about that? Well, I would never feel anything or know anything or have a comment or I just didn't know my brain processes things really slowly. I would need to process what we read and like next week I would have a comment on what we talked about last week so even though it was so uncomfortable for me to go and I didn't feel 
pretty much good enough or smart enough. Um, we just kept going and plugging in and doing those things. So um, this church has just been so awesome for me. It's the only church I've ever gone to. Um, I've visited other churches before, but I've never uh, left this church. So it's been 25 years now that I've been coming here. Um, I was pregnant with Morgan. She's 25 now. That's how I know, 25 years. The first time I came, I was pregnant with her. Um, Sean's mom took me in several times throughout the years. Oh, I just didn't know anything about raising a baby, about anything. And she was there to just teach me pretty much all I know today is from her. And I'm so blessed that my daughter gets to rent a room from Nancy, too. So she's... Um, getting to spend time with her and time with Sean. And uh, Morgan quit. She quit coming when she started high school and started working. So she was a working girl, and, and she'll visit church often. So I wasn't going to tell anyone that we were sharing this week, and I ended up telling her, and then she invited herself to church. So Yay. so happy to see her here today. <clears throat> um, so God has just oh, changed my, the path of my life, I would say, when we our songs here, Connie and I are always like amazed, like, ah, oh, like we get to participate too and be here too and serve God and be a part of this church when um, just for, we're so thankful for God's grace and his mercy on our lives and helping us get through this life. Um, nine years ago, I was approached with um, the offer to buy a tax business here in town. And um, I really feel like the vineyard, like my tax business is a fruit of this church because I had learned the bookkeeping, I had learned some skills, I had watched just people in this church, rock solid people living their life just for God all out, doing whatever they felt God was telling them to do. And um, buying a tax business was not something that I would choose to do or necessarily want to do, but it just felt like it was being presented to me as an opportunity and um, a lot of prayer, a lot of talking to leaders in the church, like if I should even do this, could I do this? Um, I needed help financially. I was a single mom with no um, resources really whatsoever. So people um, from this church lent me funds to help get me going. Um, so that was nine years ago. That's been super uncomfortable too. I remember um, the radio station coming down there, and I should have been on the radio station. I'm the owner of this business, but I just refused. No, I'm not. I'm not going to do it. I let you know my worker down there, who's great talking, she could do it. And then the next week, um, uh, the the news station came up, and I had to do it. No one else was around for me to to get them to do it. So it just always feels like God is just putting me in these places of either growth or um, opportunity. I can't, can't say no to him. You know, we're so free. We're the, just the freest people alive as Christians, and we love God so much. So um, it's just I have a freedom, but I do try to always be obedient in what he's asking me to do. Um, for a long time, I really didn't hear God's voice, um, but about 10 years ago or longer now, I don't know, I just had the feeling like, oh, I need to read my Bible. I'd never read it cover to cover, and so I just had this passion to read my Bible and know what's, what it says. It's our playbook. It's God's Word, and um, 
the first time I had that feeling, I started with the last book, Revelation, and I studied that book. I read it 10 times through, studying it. And then this is how God works with us. I was sharing with Connie when we get together about how I was um, just had an interest in reading it, and she had been reading it too. So we got to just, you know, talk about it. And a lot of times God will do that. Recently I was... Uh, thinking that I need to start serving again after tax season. I have some free time, and I think, well, what can I do to serve? And then last week, Joe's talking about his um, the laundry um, outreach. So it's like, perfect. That's a perfect opportunity for me to serve God and show, you know, just do what I think God's doing and where he's at, going along with, with him. So there's so much opportunity here, and um, I just pray that all of you guys take the opportunity to plug in and get to know people and have that person that you can call anytime. I've called Connie in the night before with just awful news and her and her husband have been at my door minutes later. So um, it's just been such a blessing having those people you can call and talk to and talk about God's word with. And um, yeah, I think that's all I have to share. About time, right, Sean? <laughs> Thank you. All right. Lisa, I thought you were going to share. I remember giving you the, the book from the Left Behind series. Do you remember that? I gave that to you. And then later on, I'm like, oh, I don't really think that's really good theology. I'm sad that I gave it to her. But I think it scared you. I, I remember, I'm a, I think you were so freaked out that you came to church. I don't know. That's what I thought. So at least there's one, one good story from that series. All right. No, just joking. Um, I hope that... Um, I hope that you're encouraged by these two women... Because I think that one of the things that we wrestle with in our culture is that God uses everyone, but he, we have this belief that he really wants to use the special people. And he really wants to use the celebrities. And he really wants to use the people that are attractive or have special talents. And it's just not true. It's not true at all. It's unfortunate. It's unfortunate that we read scripture and we think of the people in the early church as special celebrities or anything like that. I know it be impossible to convince me that they thought that they were anything other than just normal people who were following Christ. That they were just saying that, you know, trying to find that next yes that God was inviting them into. And so when we hear their stories, all I hear is just honest people who were willing to accept the invitation of Christ and go wherever it was that it took them. And so I hope that that is encouraging to you because God has been in the business of using the average man and the average woman for a long, long time. For a long time. And pretty sure we're all average men and women, so God can use us 
in amazing ways and is that your story really is important that your story although seemingly average to you is amazing in so many different ways so I hope that that was encouraging to you we are going to have communion now. We do this every single Sunday. This is the sign of the covenant that Christ left us on the last night that he was here where he had dinner with his disciples, where he took a piece of the bread or he took a loaf of bread and he broke it. And he said, take this, this is my body. And that his body, he's the only human that ever existed that existed without sin, and his body had to be broken to pay for the penalty of sin, our sin, all people's sins. But because he's sinless, and when he paid for the penalty of sin, which is death, he was resurrected, that he is the perfect sacrifice for sin. And that the wine represents uh, the blood that was poured out for our sins to cleanse us, to make us white that we are now before him as sinless, and that when God sees us, he doesn't see sin. He sees, his, sees us clothed in white, clothed in his son. So the way that we do it is that if you are a believer in Christ or if you would like to start following Christ today, then you come down the center aisle, you grab a piece of the cracker, you dip it into the wine, and then you go around the sides like this, and then you hold on to the elements, and then we will all partake of them together. So if you would like to come down and take communion, uh, please come down.
Well, Jesus, we thank you. Uh, we thank you, Lord, that you have just you've intersected with all of our lives, that you found us, and that we have been healed by what it is that you've done. We thank you for your death on the cross. We thank you that you chose to go to the cross for us because um, we couldn't erase the stain of sin. We couldn't, couldn't do that, but you, you did. Help us to see you under everyday life and to be able to appreciate fully what it is that you did for us and that we have new life in you because of what you've done. We thank you and we love you. Let's partake. Well, why don't we stand? A uh, couple things. If you're going to join us for the potluck, you just go on downstairs. We'll set it all up, and we'll start eating together. Um, if you did want prayer for anything, uh, we'd love to have you come up forward and lay hands on you and pray for you. We do believe in the power of prayer, the power of laying hands on people, and that there's things in your life that you just can't get traction with emotionally, spiritually, physically. Then we would love to lay hands on you and pray for you. And if not, um, and if you don't go downstairs, then I'm just going to pray a prayer of blessing and um, go on with your day. So, Lord, we thank you for this time to get together. We thank you for your presence in our life. We thank you that you use the everyday man and woman uh, and that, the, that you use us in powerful ways. God, would you help us to be able to see your presence all around us and all the work that we're doing, whatever it is that we do, that your presence is with us. Holy Spirit, would you make your presence just more known in our lives? Help us to be able to see the next step that you're asking us to take, that we can take it, Lord. Help us to have faith uh, when you give us those opportunities to have faith and to step out and, and to be your church to a hurting world. Uh, that needs to know you, Jesus. So Holy Spirit, fill us up, empower us, give us eyes to see and ears to hear everything that it is that you're doing in our life so that we can shine brightly and demonstrate the kingdom of God here in this place. We thank you and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen.